0: You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show, your daily podcast on the National Football League,
1: powered by the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Tuesday edition. We are going to break down the National Championship football game. More college football, which melds together in the offseason here with our NFL show every day. When it comes to the draft and uh, about 50 draftable players on the field last night with Ohio State versus Alabama. More Coach firings, one we did not see coming. Doug Peterson, that will be a big topic on today's show. Russell Wilson kicked out of the kitchen. I know we'll find out what's going on with the Seattle Seahawks who were knocked out of the playoffs as well. Of course, your questions. That's what this episode is all about. Our two-minute drill going through the league with your Twitter questions. At BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL is where you can find us on Twitter and get those questions in. You don't have to wait for us to ask for a two-minute drill question. You can... Tag us anytime. We'll find them and we'll filter them in through the show as we go throughout this off season. Uh Let's start with that national championship game, Matt, Alabama doing a number going undefeated Saban's seventh time winning a title. I mean, at some point, it's just absurd. And I guess it shouldn't be all that surprising in this particular season. Who's got the best program? Whichever program is set up the best is probably going to win a national championship in a year like this. And oh, yeah, it was Alabama.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I haven't given the the college game a lot of thought in how COVID affected them differently than the NFL. But, boy, that adds up. You know, I mean, the best coach, the best program, the most stable organization probably has a leg up on everybody else, and I have to think that's Bama time and time again, you know, with, with all due respect to Ohio State and Clemson and these other top teams. But you mentioned it. I mean, seven national championships. I mean – I, I love the conversation and, and people that are more dialed in with college would be better at this than me, but Belichick versus Saban, you know, who ha- who's had the better career or Saban versus the field in college. Is he the greatest college coach of all time? I mean, gotta be right up there, right?
0: Oh, he's absolutely up there. Yeah. And at this point, he's going to be the guy it, it's very, yeah. and that's a good co- comparison there is Belichick because uh, it's that, it's that easy. It's it's that far ahead. It's like he's the guy. Okay, let's start talking about who number two is at this point. And there's been a lot of okay. really revered uh college football coaches in the past, you know. So I think for some people that will be difficult. Uh, Newt Rockney, but Bear, Bear um, Bryant, right? Newt right. Brian. Yeah, Paterno. And, I mean, you're in- Bear Bryant's the guy he passed, right? So if you if you're yeah. counting championships, um it, it seems like it would be harder to dominate now because of how much better the rest of the teams are at recruiting, right? So you maybe have less of an advantage now, so it's pretty remarkable how good they still are.
1: Yeah, I'm so detached from recruiting. That's all I did for four years, and it's changed dramatically. I mean, back then we watched guys on VHS tapes, but my hunch is you're probably right that it's a lot harder to find diamonds in the rough because all these services are – the world's just smaller. You know, I mean, I'm sure – back in Bear Bryant's day, he walked it up to a kid that grew up in Alabama and said, you're coming to Alabama. And he said, yes, sir. You know, like he didn't have to battle Clemson for the kid.
0: And a lot more guys going to school in their backyard.
1: Yeah. 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 That makes perfect sense. But, I mean, did did you watch the whole thing? I mean, pretty impressive showing by, yeah. the, by the Crimson Tide.
0: I did. I mean, they, they were dominant on both sides of the ball, and Ohio State is ridiculously good, and, and right. so many powerhouse players there. And I, I think it's important to talk about the quarterbacks. I mean, Matt Jones lit the thing up. 464 passing yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. He had the bad fumble early in the game when it was still sort of a contest. Um, and they just, I mean... Just so easy and so under control with Mac Jones. I'm interested to hear your thoughts, looking at especially uh, Mac Jones and Justin Fields, the quarterbacks, as pro prospects. Because it's a lot easier when you have a guy like Devontae Smith, who, oh yeah, his receiver was the Heisman Trophy winner, going for 215 yards on 12 catches and three touchdowns. And I mean, it's just both those guys were so smooth. And um, I I have a tough time thinking Matt Jones is a first-round quarterback, but when he plays that well within the system, is it the system? Is it him? Is he going to be an Andy Dalton type? Is he going to be a Kirk Cousins type? Is he going to be something better? Or is he more like A.J. McCarron? Or do you give all the credit to how much talent is on Alabama's roster?
1: Yeah, it, it, that is a tough eval. And hopefully this year we get combines and senior bowls and pro days and visits and all those things that you can isolate the player a little bit better away from his ridiculous teammate. And, I'm sure some people are saying that about Tua. I'm I'm sure Tua is not exactly helping his cause at the moment saying, you know, well, yeah, you lit it up, but you had, you know, four first round picks blocking for you and four first round picks catching the ball and two of them running the ball, you know, right. You know, I mean, obviously it's the Matt Leinert effect, you know, are you Matt Leinert Mm -hmm. or are you, you know, I mean, you should excel. I mean, it's a red flag. If you're not one of the most productive quarterbacks in all of college football, Um, I don't think he's overwhelming physically. But the two things that do stand out about Jones are very accurate and never makes a mistake, too. I mean, he's Iceman. You know, I mean, he no mistakes. I mean, and then that goes a long way in transitioning to the pros.
0: I kind of like the Kirk Cousins comparison the more I watch of him because, yeah, physically not super impressive, but throws a pretty deep ball, even though he doesn't have this cannon arm. And there will be times where he misses some throws. And he didn't miss a lot in this game. But And I've watched a little bit of him through the lens of, and that's the only way I watch college football, through the lens of, okay, who's, who's going to be the next pro player, like yeah. scouting NFL players? It's the only, because I don't care about college football at all. And usually my Saturdays are taken up differently. So I have to, I watch them in a different lens than just watching regular football games. And, and you know, even not a lot of commentary when I'm watching these players, because I'm looking at them as prospects. But man, the, he, he does check a lot of boxes and you could see him absolutely excelling if he gets with the right coach and the right system. And and sometimes being uh, a, just a game manager with enough boxes checked is is plenty. So it'll be interesting if he sneaks into the first round conversation or not.
1: Yeah, I like the Kirk Cousins comparison. I've heard a Matt Hasselbeck comparison. You could win a oh, lot of yeah. games with a mad hassle
0: back. If yeah, I like it. See, yeah, and and that's kind of where I like it. and I talked about he's definitely going to be in the first round conversation, but I yeah. still like him better as more of a second round guy. Second round guy can come in, he could probably play early, could probably be a really good backup, can push your starter, see what you get eventually. Maybe he comes a high level starter, if he doesn't, you didn't spend, you know, first round draft capital on uh, a player that's not super physically impressive. But more physically impressive is the guy on the other side, Justin Fields, and that is also a difficult evaluation because wow, Rocket Arm, so athletic. Uh he had such an amazing game. Like if if his walk off was the semifinals game against Clemson, then I think his stock might even be much higher than it is right now today just because he ran into a buzzsaw in Alabama there and does miss some throws at times, but then we'll just make this wow. He's almost better and more accurate at those wow 35, 40-yard throws than he is just throwing a regular old on-time slant or crosser, you know, five, six yards down the field.
1: Yeah, but he certainly is a very talented passer, a lot of talent. He plays hard. I mean, you see that even last Mm -hmm. night when they're losing by a ton. You know, he's given it everything he has. I think that says a lot. Obviously, he did it the week before, playing through immense pain. I don't think he did anything to hurt his cause. I mean, I think he should be very much in the conversation with the second quarterback, second overall, depending what the Jets want to do. I mean, I think he's a top, top prospect. Um, A couple guys I want to mention. Najee Harris. The more I watch him, the more I want him to be a stealer with the 24th pick. He is a star, and it gets better every time I see him.
0: Perfect Steeler. Um, no, that's a, sorry. That's a great call. Perfect Steeler right there. Oh, he's man, got a little bit more dealer. juice than what's in the Steelers' backfield right now, but can do a little bit of everything, can be that power back, can be the bell cow, can catch the ball out of the backfield. Seems like a really smart player. Uh, thought really highly of. I mean, obviously, he's the starting running back at Alabama, so he was a huge recruit out here in California near the Bay Area. So um, I've been seeing Najee Harris highlights since his high school days, and he's always been just legit and across the board, just really good. And, and people say a lot of good things about him off the field, too.
1: Yeah, you can see that. And he's he's getting better and better in the passing game, which is huge, obviously, for you know maybe getting into the first round. Uh, Devontae Smith is obviously a first-rounder. What he did to them before his injury last night, he, he maybe could have got the 350, 400 yards if he stayed healthy. I mean, Crazy. it was unbelievable. He was open every snap, it looked <laughs> like. Hopefully the hand injury isn't too big a deal. And my last note on Bama – why is Waddle out there? You know, I yeah. know he's trying to be tough. And, and Landon Dickerson
0: for- comes in and, and has a snap right. at the very end of the game. Yeah, and I get it. And that's kind of why they're where they are. And everyone wanted to be involved and play in the game. And I like that Saban led him. I think Waddle, after he limped off the field the first time, was like, okay, good job, buddy. Thank you. Pat on the butt. You got to sit down now. We're taking your helmet.
1: Right. I mean, I'm, I'm even thinking it selfishly from a draft perspective. If I'm Waddle's agent or, you know, that doesn't help you. I mean, that could have gone terribly wrong.
0: It, it, it could have gone terribly wrong, but as long as it's not something that, that does affect him physically and, and he skated out of there without a serious injury, then I actually think it'll help him. I mean, there's some GMs and coaches that are going to be like, oh, I loved that, and they will be all about it. And who knows? Mm. Uh, I've seen that he might go still higher than Devontae Smith because he might run a little better. You know, he's a little bit yeah, bigger. Right. And uh, I can't wait to see how many teams pass on Devontae Smith because he's too skinny. Uh, and I wouldn't pass on him. I mean, that dude is just legit. He's fast, too, and he plays bigger. He's got long arms, uh, and he is just so smooth.
1: Oh, he's an unbelievable route runner, too, and changing speeds and body control. I mean, he's a star. Uh, I just meant Waddle, like... Before the game, he got away with it, but I would have told him, No way are you dressing. You're crazy. I mean, not if I'm Saban I'm talking about if I'm his people for the draft.
0: Yeah, that's what's most surprising because that's usually what people do. I mean, he probably wouldn't even have suited up at all. Like, he'd have been done, done a while ago. <laughs> that's kind of how things usually go when it comes to the drafts and agents, but not how it went for Alabama this year. And, and they put everybody on the field that they could. And they rolled in this one. 52-24. We've got to talk about what's going on in the NFL right now, Matt. The biggest news coming down the last couple days is Doug Peterson is out as head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. That and your questions next. A lot of people probably made a lot of money on Alabama at betonline.com. AG and you can too, whether it's divisional playoff rounds, Super Bowl, futures bets, NFL draft, the NBA season is in full swing. You can find all of it. Get in on the action at BetOnline. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. By the way, the lines are already out for next year's. NCAA football championship game in 2022. Not surprisingly, Alabama is the favorite. Clemson, number two, four to one odds with Georgia, Ohio State, the usual suspects there in college football. Can there be a Cinderella? I'm seeing Iowa State up there. Maybe Cincinnati at 66 to one. Will Desmond Ritter go back to school? Kind of like that one, Cincinnati. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Locked on to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Matt, what do you think about this one? Doug Peterson, sort of a late firing here. Eagles head coach is now out in Philly. They're sticking with the Brain Trust at the top, though. So Howie Roseman getting another crack at it in Philadelphia as GM, which is interesting. It kind of tells you how. Ownership feels about how things went down, or how good Roseman was able to convince Jeffrey Lurie in ownership of how things went down. But they're making the change of head coach with Doug Peterson, which is a very interesting one here. And the fact that they waited a little bit before they did it. And I think there was an article a couple days ago I saw. It was like, oh, maybe consider trading Doug Peterson to another team. And I was thinking, wow, that doesn't sound good. That means maybe if you're trying to trade your coach, that means you don't want your coach. And so I had a feeling he would actually get fired, even though I didn't think that way at the end of the season. All of a sudden, lo and behold, boom, Peterson does get fired. And it sort of ties into our first two-minute drill question here from Dan, who says, is Peterson firing an endorsement? of whence, and if so, what coaching candidates have the best chance to fix him?
1: Yeah, that's a good point, point. and the way I understood that this happened was, remember it came out, you know, Peterson is safe, and then he had that crazy Sunday night game where he's putting Sudfeld in, and basically mm-hmm. just tanking as could be, and, you know, they said, okay, yeah, I mean, uh, Peterson's coming back, you know, pending a, a conversation with the owner, but that's just a formality, and from what I understand, that conversation didn't go so well, that the owner didn't like what he heard, Brought him back for a second sit down, and I guess that happened yesterday. And still didn't like what he heard, apparently, or he would have kept them and told them to you know pound sand to beat feet. Um, And they haven't been good lately, and I I don't think that they've been a particularly good, well coached team. So I've kind of been calling for his head, which I don't like to do all season long because I thought they were clearly the best, should have been the best team in that division. Um, I also think this move, yes, is more in favor of Wentz than Peterson. I'm not sure you had to choose between the two, but maybe you did. And I think it really implies that Wentz will be back, which I think is the right move as to who would be the best coaching candidates. I know your boy, Robert Sala is is out there. I think as we speak, Um, I don't really look at that that way though. You know, like I know we're going to get asked this a lot, the head guy doesn't have to be a quarterback whisperer. He needs to be a leader of men and find the quarterback whisperer.
0: Right. That's a great point. And great coordinators are going to go on and become head coaches. So soon in the NFL, we're seeing how quickly, you know, one year coordinators, Mm -hmm. Joe Brady and and Brandon Staley and guys like that are, are already interviewing for head coach jobs. So, um, it's the, the coaching staff is going to change, get the right guy at the top that is the CEO that motivates people that is really smart and is good at hiring coaches and, and, and isn't going to put Nate Sudfield in at the end of a game. And it's almost like the Greg Williams thing where it's like, okay, you you got your job. And it's like, well, I, I, we, you can't keep your job now since you did that. And it's pretty clear it wasn't an yeah. organizational decision. I think, um,
1: I mean, you lose respect of Ertz and Kelsey right. and, you know, these mm-hmm. foundation Fletcher Cox and these foundational players, That tough.
0: It's hard for me though, to say, okay, this is the right move. You have to fire Doug Peterson. He was the problem. And GM Howie Roseman sitting there with Jeffrey Lurie like, ah, well, you know, that, that, that one wasn't our fault. The one before wasn't all our fault. We drafted all the right players. And, and Rosem- Roseman even said that the coaching staff was the one that liked um, their, uh, who's the wide receiver they drafted in the first round? Blanking on it right now.
1: Oh yeah,
0: Rager. Rager. They they the coaching staff liked Rager. Roseman said that he actually liked Justin Jefferson more. So he's oh, even trying to throw him under the bus there, which is hilarious. <laughs> that was uh, that didn't come from him a quote, but it came from a leak, which you know came from him as a quote or somebody in the in, in that front office. Who knows? Maybe it's true. And if it is true, then you know I guess that is another knock against him. But uh, I just find it fascinating. I thought for sure they were going to run it back, same coaching staff. It was going to be Jalen Hurts. It feels like. This is the front office saying, we did a good job. The coaching staff did a bad job. We're sticking with our quarterback that we gave a lot of money to, and we're going to try to find someone to roll with Carson Wentz and, and fix him and get back to where we thought we should have been the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, and I don't think that's the wrong move.
0: Do you, do you think it's a quick fix? Like, Is there enough talent on that Eagles roster with what they might have to go through in the offseason to get under the salary cap, already have holes on top of it, is it like vision's okay, we- not
1: very daunting. I'm still a Wentz believer. Okay. And I have been, and people, I mean, I got a lot of heat from a lot of our listeners. Would you stop defending this guy, you know, week six, week eight, week ten? And, I, I mean, if I'm the Colts, I would have been calling to get him. And same with Darnold. I like both those guys and what they could become. So, if they fix Wentz, then yes, it's a quick fix. I mean, that looks like a difficult fix at the moment but he's had been very successful at this league, including last year, which people forget, but boy, they're in salary cap hell, which is a problem. You know, they're going to have to cut like, I don't think like Ertz is back and they're going to lose some serious guys.
0: Again, it goes to show you if I could get a job in the league, it would definitely not be on a coaching staff because I wouldn't want to move as often. And when you've got the owner's ear and you're the guy that's talking to him every day on game day, and you can point and, and talk about those kind of things about what's going on in the field. Uh, it pays to be that GM someone like howie roseman that it does to pay it does pay to be even a super bowl winning head coach like doug peterson absolutely anthony costanzo retirement matt this is some interesting news here and there's going to be decisions from philip rivers here with the colts um i this colts team is going to be a fascinating one in the off season one of many fascinating teams around the league and they've got a really good defense uh They're not going to be drafting in a place to get a top quarterback. Maybe this is one of those spots for a quarterback like Mac Jones is like, okay, let's draft a guy who might be able to play really early in his career and let's keep this thing going here. And it seems like they've got a lot right with the coaching staff and, and a lot of pretty good players on that roster right now in Indy, but they've got two huge holes to fill if Rivers is done as well. And now left tackle Anthony Costanza.
1: Yeah. And Costanza had a good career. He's a really good player. Um, he was injured late in the year. Maybe just decided Hey, I was thinking about retiring anyway, and I don't want to go through all the rehab process and fight all that. I- I'm happy. I'm done. Um, you know, kind of young to be retiring, but such is life. Uh, you're right though. I mean, I kind of looked at the Colts like, yeah, they could use a couple things, you know, another pass rusher wouldn't hurt, maybe a corner to fight with Rocky sin. But overall they, they entered this offseason, in my opinion, before this with one huge need, if, if it meant, hey, we're going to give our first-round pick for Matthew Stafford, or we're going to get in that Watson conversation, or we're going to trade up for um, Trey Lance or any of those guys, Wilson or whomever. They could have been a team that could load up and go all in for the quarterback. Now they have two needs that are hard to find. So they're probably in good shape because they have a ton of cap space, and I don't know who the top-left tackle is on the market off the top of my head, but they could trade for one and get them under the cap. They could sign one and then still go in on a quarterback. But now you have two big needs as opposed to one.
0: And Frank Reich said that it's not out of the question that Quentin Nelson could kick out and play left tackle for him. So that's an interesting wrinkle there.
1: I'm sure he could do it.
0: I don't know if it's the ideal place you want him. I think he's built to be a guard, and there's a reason why he's been yeah. a guard. But, uh, I mean, get your best player out on the edge, I guess. That that does make some sense if you can't find a high-level player out there. You can, you can really hide a guard much easier than you can hide a left tackle.
1: Right, but you can get worse at two spots.
0: That's true. Yeah. That's a great point, too. (laughs) That is a great point, too. And and you don't get the best out of maybe one of your best players on the offensive line if he's, you know, if he's in the wrong spot. All right. Let's keep this. sure he could do it. Let's keep this going with some more two minute drill. We'll go faster with your questions coming up. With the ever-increasing number of makes and car models, it's almost impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer? You can't even see what's going on on the screen, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are always reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And they seriously have everything. Makes and models that I didn't think uh, they would have anywhere near the amount of parts for. uh, They have you covered at rockauto.com. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com here's an interesting story Matt out of Seattle now that the Seahawks have been kicked out of the playoffs Pete Carroll said the primary focus going into 2021 will be to run the football more often and more effectively so the letting Russ Cook lasted about half of one season and there were some fireworks there but Pete Carroll I mean Pete Carroll's got a Pete Carroll he's an old guy and an old school guy and I guess you could expect that when the season ended the way it did, uh, he's going to go back to what he does, which is he wants to run the football a lot. And a listener, uh, Izaz says today in the athletic, there was an article about Wilson having the lowest floor amongst the elite quarterbacks in the league. I think it's ludicrous, but is it a valid argument I don't know. Russell Wilson lowest floor? I would think Russell Wilson's one of the higher floor players in the entire NFL. So uh, I'm with Izaz yeah, on this too. one. I was
1: thinking of that too. You know, that I think his floor is extremely high. But I will say, I mean, it's been 6 to 8 weeks where he hasn't played great. I mean, he has we even talked about him as an MVP candidate for a long time and he completed 11 passes this weekend. You know, like I know the Rams D's good, but he has not played well for a while. Now his track record so strong and he's earned it. I bet we hear he's going to get a knee scope or you know some, he's going to get something cleaned up that doesn't sound like much to us, but it, his knee's the size of a volleyball or you know what I mean. Like there's probably something going on because it's more than just people are playing too high safety and taking away the deep ball. But I'm dealing with this with a lot in Pittsburgh. I mean, has Tomlin's time come to an end? And I equated a little bit to Carroll because. Neither one's a great tactician. Neither one embraces analytics to the, you know, to the point the other, the rest of the league has. And boy, does that scream what Carol just said? You know, we're going to run the ball more. Your offense was great when you threw the ball more. You know, it, my way of fixing their offense would be draft waddle and added a third guy to the mix and put rust in the shotgun and let the guy cook like crazy, not, draft a center and a fullback you know what i mean right like, and,
0: and you can do yeah. both like go back and try to do more of what worked for you earlier on in the season uh try to help russ cook even better and even hotter than he did before and it doesn't mean you can't still run the ball well and effectively when you want to run it that doesn't mean banging your head into a wall like it's you know 1964 or something
1: right and my point with Carol and Tomlin are, I think both those guys will probably end up in the hall of fame. I think both of them have had, you know, under Belichick, but the next tier level careers. But if you're not a great tactician and you're a great motivator and team guy, and I'm not suggesting you the you get fired, by the way, sometimes your message kind of gets old and gets stale. You know, I mean, if, if everyone's not buying in completely, or if Wilson's not buying in completely anymore that, Hey, our best success came when I threw the ball like crazy. And now you're going to reel me in again. Like, come on coach.
0: There's a lot of followers you have on Twitter that are Steelers fans and a ton of Steelers questions. I have a couple here that are interesting. Uh, Dave says right now, who's more confident about your team next year? You or Brian, which is an interesting one. Niners or Steelers next year. And then uh, coach, says would love your thoughts on this i'm unsure how people are defending this personally i wouldn't want him on my team football is not his top priority even in the playoffs and he's commenting about a video that's come out that showed um juju smith schuster during the game in a blowout loss doing like dances as he's lining up on, on the line of scrimmage. I don't know if you've seen this one or if you caught it at I the did, time. Yeah. Uh, what, what are the thoughts what's going on in Pittsburgh with, uh, with this team post loss now? And what are your thoughts on that Juju thing and, the Steelers next year versus the Niners? It's an interesting question.
1: It is an interesting question. As for Juju, this is my take on him. He came in the league remarkably young. I mean, he's only 24 and he has set records for most production by age 22. You know what I mean? Like, he came in and and basically somewhat immature, you know, but it was cute early on. You know, he rides his bike and he goes to kids' birthday parties and goes to prom with 18-year-old girls. And, you know, and, and I do think Antonio Brown was an influence on him in not a positive way in terms of building your brand, you know, maybe putting yourself above the team to some degree, a little more selfishness. Like I know a lot of the beat reporters around here don't exactly love Juju and haven't for a couple years. They don't think it's Mm. cute. They think he's a lot about himself. But he plays hard. He works hard. And that was true for Antonio Brown, too. I mean, it's not like he doesn't value the team or winning. But I do think it's somewhat of a distraction. But I also feel like the poor guy is a little bit of a scapegoat. Like, he, I don't think he's the reason the Browns blew out the Steelers. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Because he danced on their uh, logo a couple weeks ago. Whatever the heck happened, you know. He, he, I mean, it's just it's one more guy to blame. But he's a free agent, and I don't think he'll be back.
0: Yeah, there, there's, there's some aspects of, okay, you're putting yourself in front of the team. You know, and football's the ultimate team sport. And dancing on the logo is is definitely sort of poking the bear and just not a smart thing to mm-hmm. do. You don't want to give anybody any extra motivation. And then when you're dancing, if it was uh, if it 48-29 Steelers leading and he's dancing, he goes up the line of scrimmage, everybody would be like, oh, that's funny. Juju being a Juju, that's great. Right, that's cute. But doing right, it in yeah. a loss is much different. The dancing part's not the important part. This isn't old guys saying, oh, you shouldn't be dancing on the football field. This is like, you're just ticking off your fan base now, like it's one thing poking the bear when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals, but poking the bear when it comes to your fan base and them turning on you uh that's not great and if you are uh an old school sort of a coach we just talked about how Mike Tomlin likes to run things um he can't look at that and be like eh, that's that's what I like to see out of my players, so I wouldn't be shocked at all, right. especially when you got Claypool and Johnson there at wide receiver if Juju's not in Pittsburgh for very long
1: right and it's an old school fan base too like that would never happen under Chuck Knoll, you know, <laughs> like, it wouldn't have, right. but that was 1978, you know? Um, lastly, I have more faith in the Niners than the Steelers, which I bet you didn't think I would say.
0: <laughs> I, I had a feeling you might say that, uh, and I, I do have some big faith in the Niners turning it around next year, basically uh, uh, just health being the number one factor. There's too many talented players, right. and it's too well-coached of a team, although there is going to be a lot of changeover, so it could be a very different-looking 49ers team next year. Defensive coordinator, coaching staff might take some, Salah, uh, if he gets a job, might take some offensive coordinator, uh, passing game or run game coordinators with him, either Michael LaFleur or Mike, McDaniels, uh, there's a lot of free agents. The 49ers have about 40 free agents this year. So uh, it could look a little bit different. And who knows? It could even look different at quarterback. So uh, those two teams are going to be very interesting. Big Ben being a huge factor with Pittsburgh. But I, I do believe Pittsburgh's going to be very good because they're going to have a good defense. And they just got to get some, you know, good, solid quarterback play and, and stop dropping the stinking football with those wide receivers, too.
1: Yeah, I, I trust it. And not that I don't trust Tomlin. I feel like I'm bashing Tomlin. But I think if you don't have great quarterback play, Shanahan's proven that it'll be competitive. I think both defenses will both be tier one defenses. You know, I I, I just think the Niners are a very strong organization, and I worry that the Steelers are going
0: the wrong way. And by the way, we've seen what and I think. Jared Goff, and even John Wolford, right? You've seen what that Shanahan system with McVay can oh. look like with a quarterback who's good but not great, and we've seen it with the 49ers with Garoppolo, and he's a good quarterback. He's top half of the league, but the bottom of the top half, I think Goff is right in that same area as a starting quarterback. I don't know if you feel differently about the the value of those yeah, two guys, then but then right. you see the same system with a superstar quarterback, a Hall of Famer, and Aaron Rodgers. And then it's like, okay, that would be really fun He's to see MVP. a quarterback right. like that in Shanahan's offense. So, uh, you know, some someone the covers the 49ers I think it would be a lot of fun, and I don't think it can be understated. I mean, you saw what happened in Atlanta with uh, with Matt Ryan in Shanahan's system. I think it'd be a lot more fun to have one of those top quarterbacks in the draft to develop and. and and try to get uh, even more production there, and, and that would be really fun. I think that should be a priority for the 49ers.
1: I 100% agree. I mean, I like Garoppolo, but even you know, he's on the, the the Cousins train, the the Baker train. They're both in that system as well. You know, They're on that tier. Um, imagine if you did have the Matt Ryan from four years ago, let alone the Aaron Rodgers from now. I mean, then you're the best
0: team in the league. Here's one from Joshua on that point this weekend. He says, Matt LaFleur, Sean McVay are facing off. This means a member of the Shanahan coaching tree will have been in the championship game four out of the last five years. Is this the most successful coaching tree ever? He says, I don't know about ever. I don't know if you can say that. I mean, there's a lot of coaching trees that have branched off so many times too. like the Shanahan coaching tree is like kind of a Bill walsh coaching tree but it's also got some gruden in it right and it's much different than the old school west coast offense but it's still west coast terminology and so it's it's almost even hard to keep track of where the tree is but of the current coaching uh staffs around the league it's definitely grown the most and it might continue to get bigger
1: yes and you're right you said that well the coaching trees are hard to track you know like uh, the you mentioned walsh and i was going to bring him up too. like uh, holmgren Reed, Gruden, Mariucci, um, Seifert, you know, like he had some direct descendants that was like, wow, this tree's awesome. More so than Belichick. I mean, Belichick's had, his limbs have been cut off. Yeah, they've, they've, they've taken from him, but he has, they have not been successful, but to your, to the question, yes. And so where do you start it? I mean, does it start with Mike Shanahan? I don't know exactly where this tree grows, but this system, this style, and a lot of these guys have worked together, LaFleur and whatnot. Yes, is the most successful tree or coaching style, I think, in the league right now.
0: Uh, the second part of Joshua's question here, which of the three old guys, Rogers, Breeze, Brady, do you most want to see win another ring? And which of them matches Not up best? Not Brady.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, kind of like Saban. Oh, yeah, Saban one another. Yeah, I've
0: seen a lot of that, and uh, it's plenty. He's got enough rings. He's, he's going to be doing okay. All these guys are. Uh, he also says, which team matches up best with the Chiefs? Uh, it's easy for me. This answer is Breeze, because, uh, you know, it, it would be a nice storyline to see him, you know, cause sort of poetic, go out on top, win a, win a championship, and he should retire after this season, and that would all match up and be sort of a, a nice story and a fun story, and I also pick the Saints preseason to be in the Super Bowl, too, so that's another reason uh, for for me personally to see that that yeah. pick actually happen, Rodgers has time and he's he's younger than the other guys, so he can still go get him one if he doesn't get it this year. So Breeze, that's an easy answer. Who matches up best against the Chiefs is another question altogether.
1: Yeah, my pick would be Rodgers, though. I mean, it wouldn't be Brady. I've seen that enough. It'd be cute to see it in Tampa. Fine, uh, I like both those Saints and Green Bay fan bases, but I often say about Rodgers that if we're picking up teams of all time quarterbacks. He's my first pick. I mean, with all respect to Brady and everybody else, he's the last guy I want to play against. So makes my argument for that a little stronger. If he gets more than one ring, he's only got one. Same with Breeze. Who matches up best against the Saints?
0: Against the Chiefs. I would say
1: the Chiefs, I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: Well, the Saints are the Saints are a very complete. I mean, I think Yeah,
1: I was thinking about the Saints.
0: The question is about those three quarterbacks, those three teams specifically. Which one of them matches up best if they meet him in the Super Bowl? I agree, I it's know. the Bills, maybe. It is the Bills, I think, maybe right now that matches up best yeah. total with the Chiefs, so who knows? Maybe the question is which one of these matches up best with the Bills if the Bills are able to knock off Kansas City. I still think the... I'll say the Saints still because they're just the most complete team, I think. Uh, I think they're the best top to bottom. And a lot of that is... Brees so I was
1: going to say the Bills or the Ravens because the Ravens might you know just run like crazy and keep Mahomes off the field. But the Chiefs have the Ravens number. To your point with the Saints, I mean, obviously playing the Bears versus the Chiefs is night and day, but they held the ball for like 40 minutes in that game (laughs) against the Bears. And could they kind of do that against the Chiefs? Maybe, maybe. I don't know that they're quick strike enough, though. Like the Bills, to me, are quick strike. When Mahomes, you think you have him down and he hits an 80-yarder to Tyreek and breaks your back, the Bills could answer with the same The Saints are a little more methodical. I don't know. Maybe Tampa. Tampa has that quick strike ability to them. The answer is probably none.
0: (laughs) Good point. Yeah. We're out of time, Matt. We got to get out of here. Okay, good stuff. Thanks, everybody, for all your questions. Keep them coming. We'll filter in some more throughout the week as well. We could probably hit some more overflow questions on Wednesday's show because uh, there are some good ones here. We can start looking ahead to the divisional round of playoffs. The Peacock and Williamson NFL show.